Thanks, Paul. Thanks, everyone. I'm just having a great time in church today. I could sing those songs for the next few hours. I could listen to those testimonies for the next few days. There's enough um, in those six stories to give me enough faith to keep me going for, I don't know, how long in the next part or season of my life. So it's a great celebration. It's a great privilege to be able to share on Baptism Sunday. And it is a celebration, so I thought I'd begin with a game, a party game, if that's okay. Just a bit of audience participation. Don't worry, I'm not going to make anyone do anything that you don't, would make you feel uncomfortable. It's just a simple mind-reading game. You've got to read my mind, okay? So I'm actually asking, <laughs> I'm asking everybody, including those on YouTube, to take part. All you need to do, I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 10 in my head. I want you to do the same. And I want you to see if you've got the same number that I've got. So, nobody, don't play. You've all got to play, okay? Just, it's nice and easy. Think of any number between one and ten. Everyone got one? Okay. Yes. Has everyone got a number? Okay, this is where the audience participation comes in a little bit further. If you have the number five, stand up. Wow, there's about 20 people in the room. You'd be wrong. That's not the number. <laughs> That's not the number. If you've got the number three, in your, no, don't change your mind. If you've got the number three, stand up. Wow, my mom gets it right. Three. Give them a round of applause. Everybody is correct. Well done. Okay, round two. There's only two rounds, so don't worry. Now, I'm aware in this building there'll be some people that are new to church. Many of you won't be new. You've been in church or been a Christian for a long time. I'm going with the assumption that everybody, including those that are brand new, knows something about the Bible. I'm going to ask you all to think of a Bible verse, a Bible passage or, or sentence or character or moment. Now, if you're struggling, I'll give you a clue. In John, there's a verse where it says, Jesus wept. So I'm giving you one. If you've got no verses in your mind that you can recite in this moment, I'm not going to ask you to tell me them, by the way. But you all need to take part. Jesus wept his one for free. Okay, I want to know if anyone in the room has got the same Bible verse as me. Okay, stand up if you have got this verse. John 3.16, for God son of the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There are about 25 people that have read my mind. Give them a round of applause. Wow, you can sit down. The reason I bring that verse up is because it's one of the most quoted, possibly one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Whether you've been in church a long time or you've not been in church, you probably have some familiarity with John 3.16. But what we don't often do, I've not done very much, is worked out why and who did Jesus say this phrase to. And in order to find out who he said that through, we need to go back in time a few verses. We'll go to John 3 verse 1. And it tells you, first sentence, there was a man called great name, Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who, who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, 
he said. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. It's kind of like, to be honest, mate, I'm going to tell you straight, Nicodemus. To be honest, I'm not messing around here now. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless we're born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. And like you, like I had a conversation on Thursday with people that don't go to church. They asked me, what is a born-again Christian? You have probably had similar questions. Why is a born-again Christian? Nicodemus says, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man, this is probably the logical way of thinking this through. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Today's message, we're looking at that, that concept of being born again. So Nicodemus, as it says there, he was a Pharisee. So to, to make it really simple because of time, he was like super religious. He, like, like was shared in the, in the, in the testimonies um, and how today we're living by grace. He was living by They followed all the rules, Pharisees. They were super religious to make it nice and simple. They strictly observed Jewish law. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, or the Sanhedrin. So both the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin were responsible, or largely responsible, for the crucifixion and the death and, the arrest, and, and getting Jesus arrested. So kind of public enemy number one. Uh, their role, as they were kind of like elders or politicians or political people. Again, to put it simply, I'm not going deep today because I don't know. <laughs> but the, the idea was that they are important people. <laughs> As you can see, there's a picture. He's, he's importantly dressed. This is from the TV series, The Chosen. And this is how he looks in the actual film, if you want to see that. But he went to Jesus at night. Of course he would go to Jesus at night. Because the Sanhedrin were like the, the secret police. They were employed by Rome, because you have to understand, in the context of where Jesus walked the earth, Israel was occupied and ruled by Rome, the great superpower of its day. So Rome put people, religious leaders like Nicodemus, the Sanhedrin, in place to keep the peace and to ensure that the Jewish people did all the right things that they should do and paid their taxes to Caesar. But also they were religious people as well. So... Of course he's going to go to Jesus at night. He could not be seen with somebody who is claiming to be not Caesar. He was somebody who was claiming to be Messiah. He was Jesus. So he had to go at night time. Otherwise, people will be very confused. It might have even been dangerous for him to go in public. So this is why Nicodemus does that. But he came to do his job. He came to question Jesus. Hence the questions. What are you on about, Jesus? What, who are you? What is it you are here to say? He came to question. And if you've watched the film The Chosen... It's great because it kind of concludes with this, it leaves us with this tension of, he, he meets this Jesus, he, he meets the powerful, miracle-working Jesus, and he, you can kind of see him kind of, one part of him wants to fall in love with Jesus and be a disciple, but there's another part of him that pulls him away, the religious side of him, and, and the pre-oppression, and the kind of, the public persona that he had to portray, he was in this tension, in this dilemma. And this is what it says, this, this next verse, a few verses on from what I've just read, verse 10, Jesus kind of says this, and I guess he's directing it at Israel's teacher, which is Nicodemus. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, 
But still, you people, Nicodemus, do not accept our testimony. So he's, there's this interaction going on. And it kind of ends. It gives us the impression, because we don't hear much. It gives us the impression that Nicodemus went away all religious and bound by the law. How is he going to get out of this? He's met the living, breathing Jesus, but he, he can't escape from this. So what happened next? Does he become a Christian? Does he get baptized? Does he share his testimony at church on a Sunday? Does he, does he meet with Jesus and, and does he respond? We don't actually know. And I'm not going to fill in the dots because I don't know. There's three mentions of Nicodemus. There's one a few chapters later when the, the rest of the Sanhedrin say, we need to arrest Jesus. He's causing trouble. Arrest him now. And, and Nicodemus sticks up for Jesus and says, well, shouldn't he have a fair trial first? So you can see initially something's happening in Nicodemus. Something's changing. He's going against the crowd. So there's a lot of questions. And I'm aware I've got 10 minutes, so that's fine. And it's a baptism Sunday, and I want to kind of go easy on you. But I've got three questions for you that you do know the answer to. Every one of you, particularly if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you might kind of question one or two of them. But the first question that we can answer, and I believe these three questions, when we get the answers, it helps us understand today what baptism is all about. First question is, did Jesus die. Did Jesus die? Did he die? I think as Christians, it's so crucial to our faith that Jesus died. Because if he didn't die, there'll be no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, there's a whole lot of church history that needs to be erased. <laughs> in, in, in John 19, it says this. Jesus is, as you probably know, there's, there's evidence, documentation to prove that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. So the answer I'm saying is yes, but just to give you a little bit further, this is what it says in John 19. He's hanging on the cross, two criminals either side of him. When he had received the drinks, he was thirsty because on, on a cross you, you're suffering slow and painful death. Of course he's thirsty. Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He did die. It says it there. And what's really important is Jesus was human. He wasn't a divine being, like a transformer sort of, or, or this celestial being. He was a human being that felt the same pain that we would feel if we were treated the same way. He walked and talked as if he was you and me. Jesus, we can relate to him. That's why the people on stage today have such emotional testimonies, because they relate to Jesus in a very personal way way. Baptism, just like we've just talked about with the crucifixion, baptism symbolizes a death. I know that sounds extreme and it should be a party. And we, it's a great Sunday, baptism Sunday, but it's the reality of a baptism is it, it symbolizes the death to an old. So the person, so many of these people had a past that they talked about, some of which those, the, those events in their life, they're not, they're not particularly proud of. I have events in my life where I think back, my past, I'm not happy with, and I'm so glad I'm a different person. I'm a new creation now. I am a new person, only because of what Jesus did for me. So I had to die. It sounds very graphic and very extreme, and I'm, I do apologize, but I don't. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Baptism symbolizes death, but the good news is death makes way for us to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? Well, the first thing is you need to die first. What does it mean to get baptized? Well, first thing, these people had to die first. They had to say no to self, yes to Jesus, 
No to what my friends think and peers think. Yes to Jesus. No to what I think I should be doing or no to really what my comfort zone tells me to do. Yes to Jesus. The, the old me had to die. Baptism symbolizes death. First question. So you can answer that. Yeah. There's evidence to prove that Jesus died. And if there's not enough evidence in the Bible, there's evidence six people on stage declared it today and many in the room would do the same. Second question, was Jesus buried? Isn't that an interesting question? It's really interesting. And this is why I started with Nicodemus. Let's just read John 19, 38. Afterward, this is after Jesus has died. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, because he feared the Jewish leaders, probably a bit like Nicodemus, he asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus. He's not lost. He's not in the dark. He's not in hiding. He is public. He's gone public. The man who had come to Jesus at night, he bought about 75 pounds. I don't know how much that cost, but that sounds a lot of money. He spent his own hard-earned money, 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes, and followed the Jewish burial custom. They wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Again, to avoid being too graphic, crucifixion it was a brutal way to go. And as a, as a way of extending the humiliation of the person being crucified and the family, they would often leave the person on the cross. And eventually when... The birds have had their way. They would be thrown out in a rubbish dump. There was no funeral. There was no burial. Something happened significant in this moment. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus brought this about by their actions, by their changed hearts. They brought about a burial in Jesus. Nicodemus had gone public. Much like the people on stage, we can all come to Jesus at nighttime with our questions. We can all walk and lurk in the shadows, and that's okay. But Nicodemus risked his reputation, his, his religion, his, his livelihood, his everything. He, he went public, one of two people in the world that buried Jesus, was a man who was tied into religion. Wow, what a testimony of grace. I wish we had Nicodemus on the stage getting baptized today. He'd have a great story to share. So baptism symbolizes death. Baptism symbolizes burial. When we become a Christian, we die, as I said before, we die to our past, our, our sin, our old self. When we get baptized, we go under the water, and it symbolizes a burial. It symbolizes we're not going back anymore. <laughs> When we come back up, we're alive with new life. Now, I have to point out, disclaimer, the process of baptism isn't somebody becoming a Christian. We're not making Christians right now. It's not like a conveyor belt of, right, we need some people who are sinners, and we need some people that need washing and cleansing, so we're going to kill them, bring them back to life, and they are now eternally set with Jesus. That is, this is a visual reenactment. This is like... This is what happened inside a person. We're going to demonstrate it in a very visual, public way, like Nicodemus did. They could have just put, did the funeral quietly, but they, they elaborately, lavishly dressed Jesus and put him in a, a tomb. So what we're doing today isn't making somebody a Christian. 
but we're demonstrating what's happened already inside these six people in their hearts. Wow, isn't that good? So baptism is a public statement that you, the six here, and you, those, those that have been baptized, and many of you will have a similar testimony, you have been born again. Good news. <laughs> so that's the second question, and we're on to question three. We're doing okay. Yes, Jesus did die. Yes, he was buried. Thirdly, did Jesus come back to life? This question, some of you in the room, if you don't have a faith yet, you might not know. Whereas there's a large majority of people in this room, particularly those six that stood on this stage, who believe that Jesus came back to life, that he was resurrected. Good Friday was when Jesus was died, died. Easter Sunday when he came back to life. If he wasn't resurrected, we as a church may as well pack up our bags, leave, and go and do something else with our Sunday mornings. Because if he wasn't resurrected, what are we doing here? <laughs> and it was such a powerful moment when Jesus got resurrected. that The disciples, much like Nicodemus, who were previously, when Jesus got crucified, the disciples thought, well, who's going to be next on the hit list? I'm probably the next person because I was a close follower of Jesus. I'm going to be the next to be crucified. So the disciples all went and hid. But when they found out Jesus was resurrected, they came out of hiding. It was like, we're going to go public, a little bit like these six people. We're going public today. We, whatever the cost, whatever the consequences, we are going public. They risked everything to start the church, even for some of them, death. Christianity, it wouldn't have survived had the resurrection not happened. It's proof. The fact that we, the Bible is still the number one best-selling book today is proof the resurrection happened because the people that wrote and the people that protected, the people that translated were persecuted, beaten, broken. That Bible has to have survived for one reason only, the resurrection of Jesus. This church would not be meeting today were it not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The six people this morning would not be getting baptized were it not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the three answers to the question are this. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, he was buried. And 101% yes, he was resurrected. Which is why these six people are getting baptized. Baptism symbolizes new life. The same power that overcame death and rose Jesus Christ out of that tomb, off that cross, and into new life. That same power lives in the six people that just stood and testified. That same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you. Wow! No wonder Ben's so excited on a baptism Sunday. I'm going to be cartwheeling around the church because I've got new life. I'm born again. And baptism Sunday reminds me, Ben, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard year. You've been battered and bruised, but it's, you're born again. You are born again. So I'm, I'm just about done. I want to remind you of the verse that I've put on the screen at the very beginning, John 3.16. And we're going to use John 3.16 as a... A way of praying, a really simple prayer. I've even written it down so I don't forget what it is. 
But I just kind of, using Nicodemus as an example, because I believe he was born again after this. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know all the details. But for somebody to go out of their way, buy 75 pounds or ounces, whatever it was, of, of expensive perfume and anoint the body of Jesus, to do that publicly and risk everything, I believe he then fell in love with Jesus and was a follower of Jesus. What did he do? Two things that you can do today. One of which, well, actually both of which, the six people getting baptized have already done. First one is come to Jesus. And if it needs to be at night time, because you've got questions and you're a bit uncertain, that's okay. If you feel a bit insecure about your peers, or what do your friends and family think? You know why? It's okay. Nicodemus did it. It was all right for him, so it's all right for you. If you want to come privately, almost secretly, come to Jesus in prayer. And in this next song, just take a moment to reflect and ask God to verbalize your thoughts and your questions. Maybe even at the end of the service, somebody can pray with you. Over in this, I'm pointing at Baz, but over in this space here, somebody could pray with you. <laughs> and that's one group of people. The second group, we're going to ask you to do something. I'm, ask, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something which might require you going public. Because that's what Nicodemus did. For some of you, it's time to go public. You've lived in the shadows and the secrets and the dark places too long. Now it's time to go public. These six people are getting baptized. They're doing it on a stage because they're saying, I'm coming out. I'm going public. It's no longer a secret faith, a private faith. It's a shared faith. It's a public faith. So I want to use, and just as a short testimony, just to finish. When I became a Christian as a teenager, age 14, I responded in a service like this, the speaker, his name was Phil Collins, not the actual Phil Collins that you all know about, but Phil Collins was preaching. Who else would feel inclined to respond to that? I did. And he said, if you want to become a Christian, just put your hand up, and I did. And that was my private decision. The next thing I did, at the end of the service, I turned to my dad and said, Dad, I've become a Christian. I went public. I went public. So I'm going to say a simple prayer based on this scripture. And then if anyone wants to pray that prayer for the very first time, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up like I did 20 years ago or so. 22. <laughs> 22 years. Yeah, I've aged two years. <laughs> but should we all stand to our feet? So if you're, if you're a Christian and you've prayed this prayer many times, just pray it again because it's Baptism Sunday. We'd all jump in that water if we could. So today I'm going to become a Christian for the first time or the second thousandth time. But we can all help those that maybe there's one person or two in the room that's never prayed this prayer and we can help them. So let's close our eyes and, and bow our heads and just have a moment, and then I'm going to hand over to Tim, and we're going to sing. But based on this scripture, I'm not going to ask you to, re to verbalize and read out what, but I'm asking you in your head, like we did at the very beginning of that game, to repeat after me in your head. And there are six lines to this prayer, so it won't take long. Based on John 3.16. So in your head, just repeat after me. Dear God. Thank you that you love everyone. Thank you for loving me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that Jesus came back to life for me. I receive 
eternal life today. Amen. Now keep your eyes closed. This is what, exactly what happened to me 22 years ago. And there might be one or two people in the room that just feel like sweaty palms or just a little bit uneasy. That's good. And if you just prayed that prayer, it was a very simple prayer. Somebody afterwards will make it more, put more meat on the bones. That was very basic. But I'm just asking you, like Nicodemus, to go public now. If there's anyone that prayed that prayer, would you just wave? No one else is looking. No one else is watching. It's okay. You can be in Nicodemus for a moment. Is there anyone that wants to put a hand up? I can see a hand there. Someone else just waved at me. I'm not sure if that was a hand or beckoned me off the stage. <laughs> is there anyone else on Baptism Sunday that would just want to put a hand up? One or two people will just be keeping an eye open just so they can give you something at the end of this service. Is there anyone else before I hand over to Tim? We're going to sing a song. You could add a verse. I don't know whether you can write a song on the fly, Tim. But could you add a verse in about Nicodemus? Because <laughs> there's a whole host of Bible characters sang about in this song. Maybe someone can write one about Nicodemus for next week. But yeah, same God. He's the same God of Nicodemus as he is today for you and me. So thanks for listening.